Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, and now Nissen, Lazary, every single week, Baruch Hashem, enjoying your time, and looking forward to taking your question or comments that you've got. You can see us live on the Lakewood Scoop and on jrootradio.com. You can see the, a little bit of what the studio looks like. Here to take your questions and comments, anything along the mental health field, of course, we try to just request that it's questions about if it's parenting, about the ages 8 and up. Other than that, we're here to take your questions to send in to call in the number 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text a question, just please be aware that we usually take the phone calls callers over the text. But you can do that 347-927-8398-347-927-8398. Rav Nissen, who do we have on the phone? Shlaimi, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hello. Hello, Shlaimi. Yeah, I'm 10 years old. Yeah. Um, it's easier for me to talk in Yiddish. Can I talk in Yiddish? We can try, but we got to... Yeah, all right. We'll let you do it. I think when I sit in class, I have my Rebbe that I can do it. 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 I feel like I a ganze Tag wie a soldier. Ich will nicht ganze Zeit jeden Tag, weil ich fühle mich so pressured. Excellent. So die heißt Schleimele, ja? Ja. Excellent. Just hold a second. Baruch Atah, die neue Lehne Malachilm, Shachatel Nebegreif. All right. So your question is, you're in class, kids make trouble, and the Rebbe is strict. And now you're afraid to go to Yeshiva because the Rebbe is strict. Yeah? Yeah. Now, you're 10 years old. How long are you afraid of a Rebbe being angry at you or Muhammad being angry at you or someone being angry at you? Only this year. Only this year. What about last year? Last year is going to get. Last year is going to get. What's the chilek between, what's the difference between last year and this year? They used the Rebbe string. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to camp? No. Did you go to day camp? Yeah. Did you have a Malamid or a counselor that was strict? Um, yeah. How did you deal with it? Were you afraid? No. No. So what's the difference between this Malamid? Because I'm sure that you must have had times in your life that someone was strict. What's the difference between this Malamid and the other ones that were strict? Well, they feel pressured. Oh, what's the pressure this year? Well, as I string, they can Okay, so the word string, which means serious, or which means serious or mean, um, could you clarify what that means? It's really very assertive, but it could mean to a lot of people a lot of things. What does string mean? Could you describe to me what he does? Mm-hmm. And what's wrong if he sends someone out for a long time? Mm-hmm. 
Are you always trying to be the good boy? Huh? So my question was, has he ever tried to make trouble in the last couple of years? No. So, right. Yeah. Excellent. So now, I'm going to speak in English. And again, we're just confirming that his parents are listening. And let me share with you an idea. The idea is as follows. We all have to be good kids. We all have to follow the rules. At the same time, we all have to have a balance that we are comfortable with making trouble. Trouble doesn't mean we're being not good in class, or it doesn't mean that we're, that we're disturbing the class, but it does mean we have to be an individual. And sometimes if you need to go to the bathroom, raise your hand, speak up, we got to be comfortable with making mistakes. What happens if we're afraid of making mistakes? Do you get nervous when you have to take a test? No. No? What happens if you don't do well on the test? Nothing. No? It's okay? Yeah. All right. So the big issue is, so let me ask you, are both your parents very nice, sweet parents? Yeah. Yeah. Do any of them ever yell? Not, I'm sure they yell, but I'm saying do they yell a lot? No. That's it. So now the beauty of having excellent healthy parents are, you're not exposed, you don't see a lot of the stress or a lot of the anger. What happens if there's someone that rules with a little fear, strong or strict? You get afraid. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So just to translate, what we want to do is we want to teach you how to feel so calm as you feel with your parents, as you feel with your Malamed. Excellent. Now, how can you imagine? How can you put yourself at ease and see that when a Malamed is strict or when he's mean, it doesn't mean he's mean, he could be full of love. It's just his way of speaking. It's a style. Just like my way of speaking is very grandiose. Oh, I love it. I hate it. I mean, I've gotten that many times people say hate is a strong word. You don't like something, dislike. How could you say you love it? Do you really like it that much? I mean, people give me comments all the time. It's just the way I am. I'm more of a grandiose type person in nature. Could you imagine... That your Malamud, when he's strict, it's like when your mother says, please, Gaishlof, and Zaya shine. She says it peacefully. It's the same way. He doesn't mean it's strict. And when he yells, who's here? He just means to say, hello, everyone. I'm just trying to get control. And I know it's easier to do this way. So kids, listen. So now, when your mother tells you to go to bed, are you worried? No. No. How can you? So that's my question. Can you imagine the safety with your parents, let's say, that when he is strict, he's not strict? Can you imagine it? Not real. Dimian. Um, yeah. Good. So imagine now when the Malama is strict, he throws you out. It's like your mother says, go to sleep already. 
Can you imagine that? Um, yeah. Try it now. And now see the malamad. Picture the malamad in your head. Are you nervous? No. And now see if the malamad would even throw you out of class for a long time. Let's say for two hours. Could you see how calm it is? It's like when your mother says, why didn't you clean up the table? So you're out. Big deal. It's like your mother saying it easy. Don't be afraid of the volume or the tone or the nerves. It's the same way. Gentle. I'll tell you. So here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna finish now. I got you. I understand. And this is already where I could give you one tip, one tool. But there's a lot that needs to be worked on. That's already a little bit more therapy. You know, one or two sessions, not therapy as is a problem. It's just guidance, how to do it. This is for awareness. We're here to create the awareness. You're very brave for calling up, especially if you're afraid of a malamid, that he's going to be so mean and strict, and you're calling up over and so many people are listening to you, and you're so clear the way you're putting down your question, how I'm answering it, what is answering, you could say yes, what's not, you're able to say no. That's a strong part of you, and I'm very impressed. It's a shame you should be zeichet to go Michael El Chayel. And I just recommend your parents just to get a little guidance, simple, how to deal with a stress or something too big. You can speak to someone that has experience or anything along those lines. Thank you very much. You're very, very, very welcome. And I will make a little the request. If Bye. we can please have Shor if we can please have the questions in English only, because I find balancing too many stuff going on all at once at least for my sake. So it's not the language that's difficult for me, just balancing a lot. Okay. Let's go ahead. Who, who else is on the line? Sandy, you're on the air with Mordechai and this. From I'm England. sorry, Sandy. Sandy. Yeah, from England. Thank you for being up at such a late hour. No problem. Um, first of all, thank you very much for everything you do. Uh, from a long distance, we really appreciate what you do for for every general problem that we can come up with in daily life. Uh, secondly, you. I have a question. I teach six-year-old girls, and I have a, a student in my class that is an orphan of her mother. She keeps on coming over to the teacher. She needs that extra little bit of attention. She keeps on coming up for hugs and such kind of things. She wants to sit on my lap sometimes. And I feel that the other girls are thinking that it's like an accepted kind of behavior, and some girls are copying this kind of behavior, and I really don't know what to do about it. Okay, well, let's take a, let, let's first start with a question, with a concept, and then we'll see how to implement it into reality, and then we'll even deal with how different, I guess, England might be than New York or the uh -huh. U.S. of A. But let's first start with the tragedy level. When a, when a child loses a parent, there's a huge loss, there's a huge gap. And one of the gaps that happen are that parents are able to be physical and touchy with kids. It's a must and it's needed. Kids need to be hugged. Kids need to be touched. Kids need to be able to just snuggle up when they're afraid. Kids need sometimes when they're sick. I'm not going into yes, no, but sometimes they go to their parents' room or to the parents' bed. I'm not going now into how complicated that gets and how do you get them to stop. And the husband wants, the wife doesn't want. I'm just explaining the concept that kids at a young age, at four, five, six, seven, need a lot of physical connection, even older. Now, when kids get that safety, they feel like a different person. They feel safe. As we discussed last week or two weeks ago, it was a little bit about the attachment theory. That kids need to be, yeah. they need to be close and they need to get that. When a parent, when a child loses a parent, 
many times certain people will feel uncomfortable touching or being close with that kid. Now, again, we're going to get in a minute to how dangerous the word touches, at least in today's days. We'll get there in a minute. But let's just understand the kid's needs. And when you have that mother figure, that father figure that you can hug, that they feel safe, they can touch, they can hold their hands, it gives them security and safety. When they're missing it, they can be wild. They can be acting up. And many times, even when kids are in a healthy family, quote-unquote, that means that they have a mother and a father, but if there isn't touching, that's what we start calling a lot of sensory issues, which is today OT is huge into that. And they start giving them balls to bounce around with. They give them brushing to brush on their skin. These kids many times could be touching every item in the room because they're not feeling it. They were missing that. And one of the ways that we feel that we are is kinesthetic, means we touch. So if we're given the appropriate development of touch when we get older we don't have to keep on touching items but once but if we were not given that we're always touching means a person that was starved for many years even though they have all the food they always have to collect food i know some people now that went through the holocaust that they no matter what there wasn't money for anything but the refrigerator had to be filled up to the top because there was no food their mind is that there's no food so when a kid loses a parent understand for those taking care of them for those that are dealing with them, touch, sensory connection is very important, emotional and physical. Now we get to the next issue. What happens with young kids that need more touch, and the older they get, they need less touch, but it's now in the school system, where in America especially, touch is something we try to be very careful of because of a lot of scandals that have been going on. And it does affect a little bit the learning, but at the same time, there needs to be a healthy and appropriate distance. What are teachers allowed to touch? What teachers are not allowed to touch? Are they allowed to sit on your lap or not? And these are boundaries that we let the school, and that's age appropriate, each one deal with that I don't want to deal with. Now we've got a second issue. So we've got first, is it appropriate, is it not? Second mm -hmm. issue is, if it's in a class, can you do it for one if it's not age appropriate anymore for the other ones? And now the the third issue that I would want to illustrate, or not illustrate, but really discuss is how do we take care of this kid's needs if certain things are not appropriate in the school? So now let's go deal with you in England. Is it appropriate, first like legally, to have her sitting on you and hugging you and all that? Is that the not raise the age red of flags? Six. What? She's six years old. If, if she'd be three, it would be one thing, but she's six years old already. It's already Excellent. a bit inappropriate. So six is already inappropriate, step one. Now, step two about that is, is it age-appropriate? means, do you want other kids doing that as well? No. You've answered that question before. Exactly. So that's not. So now what the question that we have is, there's something that's inappropriate for the age, something that is not, that is not acceptable in, in today's society to do that at that age. Now the answer is definitely you can't do it. Now let's go deal, but what do we do about this girl that she needs it? And if she doesn't get it, she'll be fighting more. She'll be clinging more to others. She'll be more kvetchy. Or the other way around, she might just isolate herself. She might shut down, not connect. And when she does, she'll be fighting with people. Here is where you place a call to the father. And you get maybe explicit permission and maybe even written permission. That before school comes, starts, she might come 10 minutes early and you can just give her a hug. But the father saying, I let you do it. Maybe to protect yourself, you'll do it in front of a principal. You'll just have it or another teacher there. Because the girl might need it. Just because she doesn't have a mother doesn't mean she shouldn't get that. 
There might be a healthier system that maybe they are, maybe the father can give it to her in the morning if he's aware of it. The need for touch, the need for connection can make a huge difference of day and night. And all they might need is five or ten minutes or several times a day for whenever it is at night, like when there's something wrong. But then once they get that, they're different. Touch is very, very important. I'm not going to mention the name of the book. It's one of the popular books written in not psychology, but in connection and in having friends. And this person, they give a story how this person was a waiter. And he got about three times the amount of tips than anyone else. And they asked him, what was your secret? And he said, when I serve people, I always made sure to put my hand like on the shoulder just to make some physical contact. The minute there's some contact, automatically like people built it subconsciously, some connection, they got bigger tips. It's just certain things were just human natures. We are a connecting. We need to connect. We like to connect. It's funny. I was always afraid to share a little how that I go for therapy. It used to be twice a week. Now I'm even doing every week. A lot of stuff going on by me, Baruch Hashem. And I was assuming that it might be a negative. I'm getting, there's a letter I'm going to read soon of two teenagers that they sent. I greatly appreciate it. But they said it can't, they can't believe that I actually share that I go for therapy and it has done such a change in their life and viewing someone that goes. It, so it's interesting how it turns out for a positive. So my information, would, my recommendation would be to you is first speak to the father, tell the father the importance how his daughter is touching you and needing the hugs. If he can't do it, let's find if there's a grandmother, if there's an aunt. Maybe then he'll give you permission. Many fathers are not touchy, aren't warm, for whatever reason. We want to blame it and say all men are that way. I disagree with but the concept. Touch. And yeah. how can we get it for her? And you also need to protect yourself. That I would never recommend to do it alone or if you'll be alone with that girl because if there are problems in general, they might want to blame or they might shift or they might assume things. So we, we need to do things on a healthy, safe level. Uh-huh. Make okay, sense? I think that's a very practical solution. Thank you very much for your help. You're very welcome. Thank you for staying up so late and calling in with your question. Greatly no appreciate it. Good evening. Good evening. Have a good night. Moishi. Thank you. we're going to go to Moishi. I want to ask Nissan, what do you say about this question? You know what? We spoke about so many times about the, the physical. First of all, as a parent, yeah. and uh, give a hug, a kiss, small touch, small, you know, pulling the ear gently, or just put you know, I do, I'm doing my kids, I'm pulling the nose the a nose. little bit, you know, give like a small a glet, a glet on, on the face. This is so important. It's amazing. And Bermet is really, it's like, I, I, I know that I do it myself almost every night. When my kid's sleeping, come to them, give them some small, like a pat on the face and say, I love you. And I think it's, and you can see during the, smi the, the smile during the sleeping. And it's so important to the kids. I feel it, you know. I feel that, you know, if I don't do it a week, you can see the changing in the wave. And it's so, yeah. you know, I, we adults, we need it. And, and that's rejection is, is a disaster word, you know. Kids that feel as a rejected, you know, rejection is, and anyone don't like this. So love is really something that we need it. And just physically, it's give you the, the I don't call it the ultimate uh, immediate, immediate uh, answer to yeah. this uh, this moment. Yeah. And kids, six years old, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, Mordechai, I, I'm jumping a little bit, but still, sure. I have, I have the voice of this lady last week, talking about and about her husband, and it it's so touched my uh, all week. I, I, I thought about. Yeah. It. 
unbelievable. Yeah. And this is part of this, you know. So she lost that life. Yes. She, she yeah. lost that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank Mo you. Now, Moshe, we got you on the air. Hi. Hi, how um, are you? Good. Baruch Hashem. I'm, Baruch Hashem. I'm married for a few years. You said you're married a few years or three years? A few. Yes. I don't have children. Yep. Um, so I have a lot of disappointment. Yeah. The problem is that I, I'm finding it hard to, to daven, to turn to Hashem, because when I do that, I start hoping. When I, hoping, when I hope, there's more disappointment. The more you hope, the more disappointed you get. So how can I help myself with that? Nice question. Nice, very, very nice question. I'm going to try... Uh, I uh, let me just share with you what my little um, dilemma is. I try to focus on psychology and not on Yerushalayim because I feel it's a title that I I don't own, which means I don't have Shimush and to go take Hashkafa Shilas. But I'd mm -hmm. like so if it would be in my private practice, like when I do one on one with people, we try to focus a little bit on the emotion. How do we deal with disappointment? And how do we deal with, or what level of hope or expectations do we put into something, and do we leave room for rejection, for a no? Right. <clears throat> so if I would even take it a drop further, the little bit of Hashkafa, here's where the battle came in, that I sometimes would tell my client, this is just my opinion, when I learned the Gemara, and I usually am not that good with remembering where it is offhand, but the Gemara is that when Shleim HaMelech made the tefillah, if we look at the Sukkim in the Navi, basically Shlema Melch uses a Lashen and the Gemara uh, catches it and Rashi explains it clearer that when he says when Klal Yisrael, when we daven to the Rabbein Shlom, we want him to listen to Atfilus, but he says when a Goy sends a carbon, when a Doi asks the Rabbein Shlom should answer and Rashi right. says the reason is why what's the answer? Because they're not going to be able to take a no. That's right, a Goy will not be able to take a no, and a Goy will have tainus to Rabbi Shalom, or is there a Rabbi Shalom, Chas Shalom, and a Yid can understand that we get a no. Which mm -hmm. means that no's are given to us. We are special, he listens to us, he just can't say no. Now here's where I would take this to you. And forgive me for being like a little bit blunt, can I just ask some questions, some direct questions? Okay. How do you find your life is different than everyone else's because you don't have children? Yes. Different than everyone else? What do you mean? What do you mean? What, what do you mean? What I mean is I many times there's a lot of pain in what we go through, and the greater the pain when we daven, we're not really making room for a no. Because I'm in such pain, I must get answered. Sometimes when I tell clients that, like, we go into the whole concept of demanding, so there's a hostage situation going on. I'm in huge pain. Oh, right. What? Right, because it's, it hurts me so much, so that's why in this area, if I'm turning to Hashem, then there's a lot of hope. And let's let's trace the word hope. hope. Let's change the word hope from pain to desperate demand, desperation. Exactly. And now okay. I, I'm treading very lightly because I don't want to. Because I don't. I feel it's delicate. And who am I to speak when Baruch Hashem the Rebbeinu has blessed me with children? So I just want to put it in a concept that there are things I really, really wanted very strongly, and Hashem has said no. But Baruch Hashem, nowhere close to this level, so I don't even feel that I have the right to 
like sort of to judge or equate. But when we deal with it in therapy, it's not about my situation compared to yours. It's about how can you learn in your situation to ease the desperation? And what other choices or what other happiness and life can you have? And that's why I asked your question as to how is your life different because you don't have children that's now so desperate? Is it your pain? Is it your wife's pain? Is it your parents' pain? Is it when the family sees you, it's Aynabuch? Is it like those girls or the boys that are single, they go to Shambadir, which is one of the greatest pains? What's your pain by not having a children? Is it that you want to just bring up Doris? Is it that you go to shul and you're alone? What's the great pain that you're feeling, or the pains, several of them, by not having a child yet? Um, I feel different. I feel... Um I'm not able to be like everybody else. Like, say again, you're not, not able so much to part be, of society. Like, not, not so much part of society. Yeah, that's very true, and it is very different. Like, it is different, and you're and part of society. There is part of society that you're not there. Now, right. what we do in therapy generally is we start acknowledging that, and we start going. And I have an entire program on that where I call that we're all labor the assignment. And the concept is that a Yasim, we all have Rahmanas, or at least we should, and we understand they have a problem. Now, Chasram, I'm not belittling their level, but all I'm saying is that there's some recognition to the pain. And people that have parents that are, let's say, dysfunctional, or on a tremendous level where there could even be some major, major abuse going on, pain, and no one gives them acknowledgement because on the outside, no one knows what's happening. So right. the concept of that share is that we're all labeled the assignment, and each and every one of us walk around with something, halavai, this would be better, or no one sees how big my problem is, and that's why I am different, and that's why we limit ourselves. The goal and the concept is if we can please recognize the strengths that we have, and recognize how much we do have, and then start making choices within our choices. Which means you might want to volunteer. OHEL is a fantastic organization. I'm not going into now if I like. I don't mean to endorse anyone. I just mean... Actually, I do like to say they have a, a big brother and big sister program where you can take some kids that need to be taken out. There's adoptions. I'm not giving you advice. What I'm saying is there are so many roles that we have that we can fulfill our need than to fit in. Once we realize how we feel we're fitting out, then to see how we can fit in. Mm. Are any of these so concepts... That, so you mean that just to reduce the pain? Is that where you're... No. Advising me? No, nowhere close. Rav would you like to explain? I think, uh, you know, what I got is that basically to, uh, I would say, in the face reality and just starting getting up and don't be a uh, demand. I, I would, you know, I just, I'm sorry, I, yeah. I, I'm going from the Amuna side. Yeah. I would I recommend it very highly, a book. It's called a Garden of oh, Gratitude. Oh, okay. Garden of Gratitude. It's, it's um, from Rabbi Arush. And it's amazing, and it's give you a totally different approach to life. And say, first of all, for anything that we have, thanks to Borolam, and you see big miracles on this issue. Because when we are concentrate on our pain, on our small, I, I don't know, big problem, small problem, we are forgot forgetting about what we all have, and we just putting ourselves and become like uh, I was spoiled kids that we want, we need it now, we just want it now. And uh, we we going we forget what what Hakadosh Baruch Hu give us. Each of us has a different target, different mesima. Uh, we call it mission in life. Or, you know, so many stories about Baal Shem Tov, 
I, I, you know, it's not, it's not the show for the Baal Shem Tov stories about people that didn't have kids. And so this is the, the point of view. Yeah. I mean, I have to accept. I have to learn to accept. It's that not that, again, I find acceptance a very low term, which means there's a high level of acceptance. But let's go to the simple level. It's not about acceptance. It's about, I'll give one more example. Again, I think I've given it last week about, is the glass not half full or half empty? Is it three quarters full or a quarter empty? Do you know how many, but then people, I, then wish, sound, mm-hmm. you know how many people would wish just to be alive today? Just that. It's not about accepting your matzah. It's about seeing how much you do have. We're all labeled the assignment. I promise you I'm walking around with something on my heart. That that's why I've been taking sessions almost weekly now for the last six to eight weeks. Because there is something troubling me tremendous. Now, am I going to let that pull me down? Because I could kvetch and krechts. Oh, do I have what the krechts and kvetch about? Is it right? Of course not. Okay, so when you dive in for that, and you're turning to Hashem and say, this thing helped me, so... It's Even Hashem, I... help me, and I accept the no. And I know you probably, not probably, but I know you've given me many no's. So I am davening that that must that my life is dependent on that is not. But I feel, I don't feel, again, I can equate my davening to yours. Because to me, I feel Rabbi Shalom has given me so much more than I deserve. And I feel, Baksham, I have, I am married and happily married, and I have kids. And Baksham, wonderful kids. How can I ever ask for anything? I feel it so many times. So many people have kids that teens at risk. You know how many times, unfortunately, I've spoken to parents, they say, they wish they didn't have a kid because the kid is at risk and it's giving mm-hmm. them bazillionness and their entire family is being ruined and it's ruining. I mean, I'm not here to judge anyone, but I just need you to realize that people walk around with pain. In that program I shared, the Rebbe gave me that one major eye-opener. I'd like to just move on to the next callers. But in one day, I had a person come in, an older bacha, probably 27 or 28, saying, you know, halavai, I would just be married and if we didn't have kids, but at least I had a wife to cry to. That same day, someone came in saying, Halavaya would be an older bacher, and they're not married. He says, and it's just my issue. I could at least go to Israel and do what I need, but I'm married, and my wife, we don't have kids. My wife's embarrassed to go to shul, and when she cries, I don't know how to handle it. Halavaya would be that. Then comes in the last one, which someone says that they, I don't remember if it's them, or they had a child, they had Yana Machla, and says, you know, Halavaya would be single. At least I wouldn't be causing pain to someone else, or Halavaya wouldn't have children. At least I had me and my wife. But here, this one's got sick, and the kid's got cancer, and we can't help. And at that moment, like, like sort of said, like, I don't know which is worse, but it's amazing how each one said they'd love to be the other one, and each one's saying they want to be the other one. So, yes, you have a big peckle. You got the haskam, you got a big peckle. But are you going to stay down and knock down because of that? Or will you be the Rebbe Kiva? Will you be the Rebbe Shem and stand up? Yeah. There's one of the big Yudayla Minerit Yisrael, Shmuel Yaakov Bornstein doesn't have yeah. children. His wife was just nifta. I mean, the man is a godal. I mean, godal, I, I don't know. I, I doesn't eat my scum. I'm saying, there's, there's, are we going to be down and knock down, or are we going to be a Rosh Hashiva? Are we going to lead Klai Yisrael? They had now in Lakewood, he's been coming in the last two, three years. And there's a stroll from the Good Island. When they had the big Asifa, he was, he was one of the big Baltfields. I'm saying, there is so much over there. Are you going to let this hold you down, pull you down, or will you stand up from that? Reb Nelson C. Finkel had Parkinson's and threw himself from one side from one side to the other with three standers around him. We all got a peckle. Mm-hmm. Yours is a lot bigger than mine. Maskam. But to me, the Rabbi Shalom still gives me my tests daily. Arav what about you? Do you get your tests? 
and every every single moment and i said uh, that is really really something that we have to t you know what as you said it's it's not something bad uh, we have to understand we have to understand that we are again i, I repeat it uh, a mission vision and you know i just two weeks uh, no a month ago i had 20 a, a couple they was married 28 years and they get twins it's amazing it's in Yehushbola, is always up, and always you can do something that in your in your life. And believe me, if you tell the Kadosh Baruch Hu, Rebbeinu Shalom, I I'm poor, I poor. I said, you know what? You do, you want to see how poor you are? I continue pounding you. But when you say thanks, you thank you for everything. Thank you what you had given. I said, you know what? You thanks me. I can give you. I release more 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 benefits to you. That's my approach to in, in life. Uh, and I tell you, when I was crying. I always get banked more and more and more, you know. And when I said thanks, I get it back, you know, a big time. Uh -huh. Okay, so here I'll just take the other side. I find when I say thanks, I get banged. When I complain, I get banged. Sometimes I complain in their bunch of sends hash boys, and sometimes I, I say thank you and I get more. So I've, at least me in my life, I've let go of controlling the Rabbeinu Shleilam. I still struggle on that many times. I... I get caught up into that concept. I daven now. I had a good feel. I gave to duck and it worked out. And I start getting into, wow, I just controlled the Rabbi Nishlelem. I just did this extra. You know, I, that's my, I know this is why. I know that's not what he meant. But I know when I learned those farim, to me, sometimes I started believing, wow, I'm just going to say thank you, thank you. And now I got Hashem with the positives. Uh, you know, I saw one of the storms which is like, you make a bracha, you have a munah and the food is going to come. I never... I, was, I wasn't that ready to test them. Gedalim and Sadiq were able to do that, and we got to strive to that. And again, the Svarim bring that down. I'm just sharing with you my simple way. So I, I, I let go that I try it. I do it, and I thank without the control. But the way is, as the Svarim are saying, to thank, to appreciate, to say thank you. And when I say thank you, I also let go of the outcome. And I want to tell you, the <laughs> major thing is that I, I, in Judaism, and I do it, I can There's no... No other way. That's right. That's what we see from the others. Yeah. All right. We have, Thank you. We have Chani. We have Chani. You know, let me just take one or two messages over here, just just together. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. Wait. What do we have over here? Rav Nissen did not explain. Where is he? Just a new. Uh, he's wonderful. Thank you. It's okay. Thank you, England. We appreciate it. We got you. Um. We got over here something. I was going to address it on my daily questions and answers and that you've asked it last week so that's why we're going to do it again you're consistently asking the question over and over so we'll go ahead we'll just take this one hi mr weinberger thank you for all that you do for clients so i have a relative that was recently diagnosed with bipolar disorders now on medication i heard that there's a hypnotist that treats bipolar without medication do you think it will work is there something to look into I'm going to explain two minutes bipolar and just for us to understand that bipolar is a disorder where imagine there is a thermostat on the brain that says energy and then it says like the adrenaline going and then there are times when you got to slow down like sadness so the person that is bipolar the machine sort of gets jammed and there's huge adrenaline surge means they could be up 20 out of 24 hours energized as if they just woke up as if they just had five red bulls they just had 30 cups of coffee and they can drive dangerously they will speak and do things that's inappropriate. They will make fun of people not realizing it. And then they think everyone loves them. And everyone's around them. Everyone's hanging around them. But really people are teasing them. And it's not the way. And they're completely distorted. And unfortunately I'm going to say something very blunt. That people do not like when I say that. The only 
solution that I found yet that has worked is medication. Once the medication regulates the brain, now we can start doing therapy. Now there's room for vitamins. Now there's room for everything else. But so far from all my experience, I have never yet seen, I say the word never, because unfortunately when people start with the vitamins and all those levels, when it's bipolar level, when the person is manic, I've seen unfortunately car accidents. I've seen people sent to the hospital and send others to the hospitals. I've seen them do terrible things which got into legal issues. I've never yet seen the natural world to help for that. Now, not, again, let me clarify, I'm a believer in the natural world. Once the medication kicks in, once it's balanced, then I have seen therapy help take over. And with the doctor's work, I've seen vitamins kick in and take it over. But again, the natural world takes a process for it to go. Now, let's, now that we got that clear with bipolar, that medication is needed, let's go to the next level. Hypnosis, and when I was trained in hypnosis, the one time, or the few times they teach us never to do hypnosis is for bipolar or if someone's schizophrenic. It means they hear and see things, which means the subconscious brain is so exposed at this moment, there is no protection, there's no shield, that whatever you're putting in can be a thousand times worse than if you're going to now activate the subconscious and say one word extra, you might make things a billion times worse. You might even trigger a greater manic episode than anything out there. So when you're telling me hypnosis, and again, for those of you that know I do a little hypnosis, no, do not call me up to work on hypnosis because I, from my experience, whoever has called me up for hypnosis is the person that wants the diet pill. I want to be able to eat all the cuckish cake in the world and all the chocolate cakes and then hypnotize my brain and stop it. That's not how it works. So while I'm a huge fan of hypnosis, I'm a huge fan of the relaxation, I'm a huge fan in, in, in getting the person sensing their body and being able to recognize now I'm full that I don't need to eat, that I am a believer in, but people seem to connect everything into the word hypnosis. But no, real deep levels of hypnosis where you're entering the subconscious level, I am not a fan of that because whoever comes to that does not want to deal with reality, does not want to make changes in their life, does not want to acknowledge that there are pains going on, they need to make changes. They're stuck in that belief of just give me the magic pill, I want to eat everything and lose weight. That doesn't exist. That's not this world. These are the people that want to win the lottery and not work to make the Parnassa. So about that, if there is someone, I would ask very, very seriously, how licensed are they? Are they current with their license? Because hypnosis with, hypnosis with a bipolar is sort of like saying gasoline and a match. To me, it's dangerous as can be. So again, that's just my humble opinion. And if someone would like to disagree with that, go right ahead. But that's from my training that I was taught. All right, Herfnissen, who do we have next? Khani, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Mordechai. First of all, good evening. Good evening. Before I start my question, I personally want to thank you from the depth of my heart for changing my life and the life of my friends and families who I've spread the word to. Wow. Um, you're one amazing man. Even though you made me aware of what was going on in my life at the time, um, I feel like my therapy sessions, which I am paying for, are so much more valuable because I'm aware. I feel like a, just a smart consumer, knowing what I want to a certain degree and just knowing how to apply it makes such a big difference. And I think it's all your credit, and I thank you from the depth of my heart, as I said. Thank you. And I'd so like to share that credit with Rav Nissen. We're yeah, sharing it, brother. For sure, for sure. Excellent. It's big enough so everyone could take a part. Yes, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge, yes. Thanks again. So now for my question. I'm calling on behalf of my sister. Okay. Um, basically, what happened was I was standing outside on the curb with my sister, and a car flew by just, like, very, very quickly, probably about 100 miles per hour on a slow in a pedestrian place, like, where he wasn't supposed to be speeding. And I'm, like, just holding my breath for a second, and then I 
relax, the car passed and nothing happened. My sister literally went frantic. She, like, got so scared and for 25 minutes couldn't stop talking about it and just, like, hyperventilating of what happened. Yeah. So from her point of view, I just want to know, is it just a personality difference or is it, like, a red flag or does it say something that she just couldn't get that trauma past her and it affected her so badly? Let's, let me ask a question before I respond. Mm-hmm. How is your sister now? She's fine. After, I mean, she still talks about it here and there, but nothing more. I mean, it was 25 minutes of, like, really talking about it and telling everyone. Um, after that, she was fine. She repeats the story. She's okay, but she still thinks it was a big thing. So let's, let's answer this. Since it's not your sister on the line, it's going to be difficult to answer. Let's take three, four approaches. and might be all the four or, or all these couple of approaches, or it might be none of them. Okay. Number one, I'm a huge believer in nature means someone could be a more emotional person, someone can be less emotional person. And in families, there's something called like territories or boundaries that certain kids will be owning certain roles. So this is the smart one. This is the troublemaker. This is the one that's the goody-goody. This is the one that helps right away. This is the one that will be up late at night. There, there are certain territories and boundaries, and that's a whole subject of its own where different children have different ones, and a lot of it's based on their nature. We just heighten that based on their nature. It's like we focus on that and then we raise that. So it's likely that you might not, not, you might be emotional, but not as emotional as your sister. So that's point number one, and therefore your sister's feeling it more than you. It's interesting that you're saying it that way because I'm a very, very emotional person, right. but I'm very literal. Like that's if I right. read a traumatic story, I could cry with it, and the sister would just say, it was sad, but why cry? Like, what's the point? Right. But now let's take it to your sister. Is she more emotional, expressive than you? I wouldn't say so. Okay. Now, she might not be emotional expressive, but would she be more emotional that she would keep a story more into her? Possibly, yeah. Excellent. So now recognize it might be that you're both emotional, but because you can't express it, you can now release it. Emotions need to be released. Emotions are like water. Water needs to flow into every little nick, crook, canny, cranny, wherever it's going down the hill, water's going to go all over. That's emotions. Emotions need to be expressed. It had its feeling. It had its expression appropriately, and it can move on. You keep it battled up, and it turns into fire. It turns into, you know, imagine like Niagara Falls, where there's the dam, and they can control the level, but when they open it up, whew, it's a destructive, powerful force. Emotions, water, you holding it back, is going to have that force, and you open up that dam, and boy, does it flow. Okay. All right, so she might be keeping it, and that's why it's affecting her. So that's step one. Another point that might be is she might have been closer to it. She might have seen it coming. She might have been afraid. Her mind might have created the images that Chas Hashem is hitting someone. And therefore, but you didn't see that. So therefore, you weren't as traumatized as she was. Okay. Someone gave me a great example today. And he told me as follows. He says, if you would need to walk on a two by four on a pole. And you would be walking on it and it's on the ground. He told me the name of the maral. Would you have a difficulty walking on it? No. But what happens if that same two by four is about a hundred feet high? Would you be able to? Something. That's right. Now it's the same two by four. It's the same wood. The difference is on the height and your mind of the imagination. Your sister might have seen that car coming further away. Might have just read about some of the terrorist attacks and their stroll with what they're doing, and she might have just been triggered by that while you weren't thinking about that. So it was just passing by. That makes sense. So if this is the case, like, what would she do if this happens again? How would she... Um... She might not imagine that. She might need to process her emotions. She might need to learn to process emotions. 
I mean, she's got fears or some concerns, and she's not getting it out. So let's say, take this example again. Such a thing happens. How would she express her emotions differently than she did in the past? Well, I don't know if she's expressing. She was talking about how afraid she is. She's all afraid, but she didn't say she was afraid Hashem was going to hit her, and then her kids will Hashem be assignment, and then there's a kid that's struggling now, and you know how difficult it would have been to lose a mother and to go through all those struggles? What is her emotion that she's afraid of, that she's so scared? And I have that with many clients. I need to tell them, I know I'm going to ask you simple questions. It might even sound babyish, but you still need to express it. You know how many times the clients tell me, why do I have to say it? What's the I say, just go through the process. And many times the first two, three sessions, they're just saying stories. They go, I feel so much better, but I don't even know why. And they go, you know why? Because you just let me talk. You didn't do anything. No, it's very detailed why. We got to you and I asked pointed questions. I only spoke for about 20 seconds, but I knew which questions to ask to identify what's your fear. So your sister might not be expressing her inner fear that she's got, so she's talking about it a thousand times, but missing the main emotion. So basically, if such a thing happens again, just for practical reasons, she would just try to internalize and see what the trigger is and speak it out to some degree. Yes, that's one of the solutions, one of the tools. Another one of the tools are ahead of time to imagine and to know that these traumas happen, these instances happen all the time, and that's where it's a lot of cognitive therapy, mm-hmm. where you start saying, how can I feel safe, even though this happens? She's going to start sense. coming up with tools. How can I feel safe? I will say Kriya Shema. I will do something ahead of time and know Malachim are watching me. What steps can I do to protect myself? And then sometimes you have cognitive therapy where you actually fight the distortion, saying, I will not be afraid. No, I will not let this take over. I had an emotion. I am not going to get caught up. I will now fight it. I will not talk about it for 25 minutes. I will learn to start limiting it. There are so many ways to go, but your sister didn't call in. Therefore, we don't know what her issue is. I could probably think of 30 different steps. If I'd be speaking to 30 different people, I would answer this 30 different ways. Therapy is about individualizing it to the person. Right. I understand. Makes sense. Yep. I just took the first step. Yep. The first step is the awareness and the hearing what's going on. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. My and pleasure. Keep up your great I work. appreciate it. We'll look forward to your shows every week. Oh, thank you. I so much appreciate it. Let me go read this letter because uh, we'll also give them a bit of a handwriting analysis from the little bit that I did. I got a letter this week, or actually today, and it goes, we're teenagers writing from the depths of our hearts. We don't know where to start. We don't know what to say. We'll just make it short and write thank you. You've never met us, but your image and your voice are in our hearts a lot. You changed our lives. Your Chachmas Achayim, your Tayyadig view of everything, makes it all more interesting and meaningful. The way you deal with anonymous calls and texts leaves us truly amazed. Your love and understanding for every year just proves the point that Hashem has definitely chosen the right Shliach to help out Klal Yisrael on your small part. No matter one's age, no matter one's stage, you're always there for everyone with just the right dose of Chizik and just the right time. You never disappoint us. I'm glad for you. You're never disappointed. When we call your hotline, which is often just hearing and things like that, you educate us in mental health field. You open our eyes to the real world that's out there, making us aware of what is normal and what is not. When we heard that you, Rabbi Weinberger, have sessions done on yourself, we knew that you don't have to be crazy to seek help. Just wanted to share our feelings of gratitude toward you and to let you know how much we've gained and how much we appreciate your phone line. P.S. We also like to wish you a mazel tov on the birth of your daughter, Sarah Miriam. May you continue to see much nachas from her and from all the other kids as well. May you continue to help Klai Yisrael in your unique and special way with much atzlach and success on all your future endeavors. 
two grateful teenagers. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, Nissen, just to give a little bit of graphology, a little information. Do you see how everything is written in the lines? Yes. That means these people structure this teenager, whoever wrote it, is able to follow the rules. Do you see the size of the letter? They're, they're very generous. Yes, very and generous. generous. And a little, bit, a little bit very cautious. Yes. And very kindness. Yes. And I would say uh, also... Courageous, what, descendants. Uh, yeah, and about this and also very spiritual. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. All right. I appreciate well, the so letter. We, we had the same letter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Very, very, very okay. good. Uh, this is one of the nice thank you. I'm probably not going to read everything, but just dear Mordechai, first of all, I want to thank you and the J-Root crew for being there for the people making this world a better world. Thanks to whoever participates in giving the time for Lishma to help people grow and become a better person. Second of all, okay. We'll go to a caller. All right, just hold on, and we'll take a caller, and then. Sorry, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Yeah, hi. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure and honor. Okay, so I, I'm just not sure. I have something with my daughter. I'm not sure if it's something that she'll grow out of, or it's something that, like, you give me a few tools to deal with, or it's something that I might she? need to take her for like further help. Um, so three years ago, we're in a hotel, and First she... Question, how old is she? What? How old? How old? She's almost eight. Almost eight. So three years ago, we're in a hotel in the summer, and she she happens to be like an anxious kid by nature. Nothing like me, just she just like is a little bit shy and like needs me to make the initiative to like make play dates or like doesn't like talking on the phone to her friends. And like when her friends call, she'll just like... Clam up and so like, let look me at me like, what should I say to her? I, yeah, you know, when I, this sounds like classic when I say to ask the questions above eight, nine, because this is classical parenting issues. Wait, but something happened to her, a trauma happened to her, and I just want to, she, so this is my question. So she got locked in a hotel bathroom for 15 minutes, mm -hmm. and she was screaming and crying and banging on the door, and no one heard her. And since then, she's been petrified to go into a closed room with a closed door. Yeah. To the point that by recess time, she just told me like a few weeks ago that her classroom door is a type of door that she told me that she, during class time, she's not able to concentrate because she's scared that they're locked into the classroom. And by recess time, she stays by the door to make sure that she's not going to get locked in by recess when there's no teacher in the classroom. Yeah. So for me, that's a scary thing that my kid would spend her recess by the door of a classroom and not with her friends because she's scared of the door being closed. Now, you're right as a mother. Now, unfortunately, since I'm doing this field for so long, tell me about your fears. My fear I hear that your voice, not about your daughter, daughter, you yourself. How were you as a kid? Were you afraid of making mistakes? No, I was like a very brave and confident kid. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm, t I'm always not sure, like, I, like how she's, she's very different from me as a, as a personality on a whole. So for me, like... All right, so I'll tell you two things. Number one, definitely this is something that a, therapy, a therapist can help her. A play therapist or any child therapist is something that we deal with, and we're able to get the fear, the concern out. 
my issue is that I hear you say that she had it before that with making friends, with being brave, going out there, and I feel it was like missing some of the tools how to get her confident or how to deal with her issue. Almost like the first caller that we had with a buffer, with a kid. He was so cute. with was but there are other issues that are over there besides for the Rebbe. It's about learning how to be confident and not to be afraid. So we're, we're, we started to accomplish a little on the phone, but there were like three, four other issues that that's where you need to deal with it, like one-on-one in therapy. So your daughter might have to deal with her fear, let's say being locked in, but then it's the underlying issues that would have to deal with how to be confident, how to feel safe, how to be able to make trouble once in a while, to have a teacher upset at you and it's not the end of the world. Right. She's, a, she's like a typical class goody-goody. She exactly. Will... Those are the issues that I hear. And that's where I feel that you might use her, you might use the example, tell her, you know, we're just going to go to someone to help you not be afraid of being locked in the bathroom or be somewhere. But the real issue that you're going to be focusing on is to give her the comfortability to be a human, to make mistakes, to be alive. And being alive means we'll be making mistakes, we'll be having successes, and we'll be having failures. Failure to me is staying down, not getting knocked down. So you're saying that I could have the tools to help her, or I should take her so to I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be a little bit blunt. From my hearing of you, your voice, there's something that I'm not picking up. I feel I'm missing something. I don't know what my senses are telling me is not clear. So I can't guide you on what to do. I don't... I'm not... I'm not getting the clarity or the strength that I usually hear from someone that's very strong. Is it something that, I don't know, you want me to explain more? I'd like, no, is it... no, I don't. My senses are just not, you know, I, I've learned to trust my senses. And if not, then like we'd need, like if it was one-on-one in 45 minutes, you'd be able to express it. Like not three minutes on the phone. You know, that's not what this is for. This is for the awareness. For the awareness is, yes, you can send your daughter to a therapist, a child therapist, something that deals with fears, anxiety. I'm a big believer in the play therapy, sand tray therapy, um, anything like that. Even try even EMDR. I wonder if there, you know, there are people that do it with kids. There's there's a lot that I would do. I'm saying just go for, to a therapist that deals, with, let's say, fear or anxiety for children, and just tell them. Well, you'll give them. Usually, they'll either meet you at first, or they'll want a little history, or you'll speak to them a couple of minutes before they see your daughter, and you'll just tell them there's also like an underlying confidence issue with fear. That's it. They'll take care of the rest. Like like making her, let's say, even when she uses the bathroom, she cannot close the door, even at home. Like, I, I make her yeah. close the door all the way, and I stand outside the door. I tell I know, her, like, I I'm this here, is, I'm this right is, again, here. That's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a parenting component to this. There's a fear component. There's a lot to that. And that's where you just need a more one-on-one guidance. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Yeah. I can okay, just tell you, you I have worked. I've worked on even an 11-year-old boy to an extreme level. Just know it's workable and really doable. I worked on an 11-year-old boy that was afraid to take a shower with the door closed. So he had, like, the curtain covering, but, like, was just afraid. Saying there are fears people go through, and it's very, very workable. All right? Mm-hmm. Just go for help. Just go, and you go to a therapist, and if you see it working, great. And if not, switch. But is it something that I could just let her grow out on her own? Like, it's From been experience. three years, well, and I don't really... Well, you told me, how, is it getting easier and less? Is it growing out No, it? it's not getting worse, but it's, it's for sure a... It's a, not a dominant ready. issue. All right, so then I would not delay. I'd say three years was enough giving it to heal on its own. If it's three years, it's not then. Go ahead. Just work on it. Deal with it. Mm, okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Our, oh, we have got Chaya on here with Mordechai and this. By the way, I want to ask you, so what do you say to that caller? 
No, I got the feeling that uh, somehow, as you said, the parent uh, issue that she was she's scared more than the daughter and well, ra- something. It's radiate uh, on on the kids. It also. could. It's it's it's, it's that's some, projection. Again, again, so I'm not going that far. Okay. But you also realize. Yes. I don't know. Just something. I just yeah. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to get. No, that. I like to to see the parents a little bit wall. You know, strengths yeah. a wall, and yeah. the kids feel secure and then build again. All right. Okay. I got you. Good. I was just wondering okay, if it was Chaya. just my Chaya. You're on with Mordechai and Nisim. All right. Hello. Oh, yes. Hello, do you hear me? Yeah, so it's Chaim? No, it's Yosef. Uh, I'm already here for a number of years. And a couple of Rebbeim asked that I be the Shlich and asked a question to here again. Um, we, um, at our school where we are, we are very, very firm, but we believe in positive. But recently there's been a trend, primarily among the younger parents, that any time uh, a Rebbe would discipline a kid, and talking about obviously that fear, and that it matches the crime, such as a boy's uh, contemplates from recess 10 days in a row, and uh, we give warnings, and we talk to him, we explain the importance, and we take away, let's say, two or three minutes recess, nothing big, that the first response we get is, why don't you guys do positive? Is this, like, any type of discipline has to fall away, and basically, you know, we should tell the kid, hey, you're a good guy, don't come late from recess, or, you know, if you go and you tell Rebbe, I hate you, hey, you're a good guy, and don't talk to me. At what point is it fair to say, if discipline is fair, that we can tell a child, let's say, for let's say, chutzpah, um, I understand you're upset, but that's not the way you talk, and if you're going to talk the way, you know, obviously there's going to be, you know, consequences that if you're thinking, or maybe, you know, it's time for us to get a retraining, and even though, you know, we have great mechachim we work with, and we're very, very open, maybe um, it is something that I don't know, that a child has the right to do whatever the heck he wants, and the Rebbe just has to smile and say, you're a great guy, and we should never use the D word, because that's what we keep Keeping hearing from parents. What's your take on this? Oh, so stay on the line, my friend. All right. Okay. Let's be very blunt and let's be very real. I'm a therapist, and when a client comes to me that they're in delusional level of only positive, I tell them what are some of the negatives. They tell me why are you so negative? Why ask me about negative? And the answer is balance. When people come in negative, I go positive. Oh, no, I'm going to become a Balgaiva if I'm positive. What I find is that people need to get balanced. And we got to be able to have the positive and the negative. And now us, as in the leadership position, we got to be comfortable that if you've got 25 boys in your class or 25 girls in your class, whatever you are, if you're a teacher or a Rebbe, you're going to have 25 different parents. Well, since hopefully they all have two parents uh, still alive, you're going to have 50 different theories on how you should be running your class. And the answer is, you need to have the positive, without a doubt, and that's beautiful about today's generation. The awareness and the focus on positive is great, but you still got to have that, that negative reinforcement as well. There's a surmeira, you got to have the assay type, we got to have both. You, each class, each yeshiva, each rebbe has got to decide that class, that kid, what's needed. But there's going to be a time where you got to lay down the law. Right, now, is this something wrong with holding a child accountable? Wrong. As, Without um, that, the, the Navi says, unfortunately, one of the few times the Pasuk, the Navi is, says open that David HaMelech has made a mistake. One of them was with his son, Adineo, that, that said he didn't reprimand him for having 50, I think it was like 50 soldiers in front, or whatever the number was, like a king. Paket, reprimand is, I mean, all of Torah is about, is about, about, and about the Rebbeinu right. teaching us. I, I, I'm trying not to mention Yiddish, I'm just trying to say this life is a cause and effect. Right. And, and the you know, if you prepare the food before Shabbos, you're going to have what to eat. 
Imagine you're not going to prepare the food, and then, then, just, then just come with a bunch I'm starving. Reprimand, right. getting, a, getting a natural consequence, is being told you're... And there's also very clear when you reprimand the person or the action. You could be a great kid, but this action is not acceptable, and I'll pay the price for it. The action, not the person. Right, and the other thing I wanted to ask was... Wait, um, does that answer your question? Also... Do you agree? Yeah, no, a thousand percent. But another thing that I wanted to ask was, um, from your point of view, there seems to be a, a very big um, thing today that, that when uh, any time a Rebbe or a Manal or, uh, you know, anyone who's involved, a mentor with a child, but you try to talk to their parents and say, well, he has a disorder ABCD and live with it. In other words, they're, they're prepared to excuse him the name of a divorce, the name of a trauma, and the name of a, and the name of a uh, law station, which all these things are valid points. But the same point from our end, um, every kid, you know, today unfortunately has gone through some type of crisis that they can pretty much undermine the entire class. You know, we have 25 kids, this guy's an anxiety, this guy's depression, and this guy's parents have no shalom by. So is it a serious thing for Rebbe to say, look, I understand the situation, let's work out a plan? Or, you know, just to, we have to fold our arms and say, you know what, you know, screw it, we have 25 kids with problems, we have to work on each kid, and if they have a disorder, we can't do anything because we're pretty much, you know, with the exception of you, most therapists, and I got in the phone, I'm a chemistry for 20 years. Um, I'm told this usually Rabbi so-and-so. I understand, but are you, are you familiar with ADHD is? Are you familiar with what trauma is? And I go, I am, but are you familiar with having 25 kids in the class? I tell them, make me a, pl- a plan that I'll go out of my comfort zone, I'll do whatever it takes. But don't tell me a plan that I should have a kid singing and screaming and yelling and banging other kids in the wall and I have to look away with it. That's not really fear. That's really hurting other kids. Let so, me share with like, you what, a what wonderful you story that? that I've had. And I had a kid coming to me. I'm not going to share the details because it might become obvious, but whatever is had, one or two issues coming to me and they went to a couple of centers before that specialized and we realized and I told the mother I think it's really a behavioral issue together with the principal we made such a strict behavioral chart that all the ADDs and all the letters that I threw at him and that worked without medication without anything now let's be clear there is ADD there are diagnoses that will affect the kid and they're not able to learn however and here's the big however if we're going to excuse them and let them go through life as an invalid, we are traumatizing them for life that they will never be able to succeed. They will always say, but I have this and I have that. I'm going to say again something very controversial. A large part of the divorces that I find that's going on today is because we are creating a generation of people that cannot be responsible for their actions. We don't know how to give. We don't know how to take. We don't know how to say thank you. We don't know how to say I'm sorry. And a large part is we are letting people go with the limitations. So when I have a client that has a limitation that he cannot learn, I will speak to the Rebbe, and if not me, then I have now my associates speak to the Rebbe, and we have a team together. The class must continue. The kids got to learn responsibility. It must go hand in hand. We also got to give him leeway. But a Rebbe, I find Rebbeim willing to work and teachers willing to work. When I find teachers get frustrated and when they don't like the diagnosis, when the therapist just say, oh, he's got this, now let go. I think I mentioned it last week or two weeks ago, but I took a course, and I was speaking in a marriage counseling course, and I was speaking to one of the top supervisors. They've got many, many students under them. And they told me how, would you believe it, the student just graduated social work, so got their LMS, or I'm not even sure if they even got their licensing yet, they graduated, and they're telling a, a principal of 20 years saying, in my professional opinion, you've made a mistake. And the supervisor right away, like, was telling me, says, like, told the therapist, in your professional opinion, what, is the total of two months, 
that you got your degree, you're already telling a manal of 20 years experience that he made a mistake? Let's recognize what's going on over here. Now, I want to play both sides. The amount of times that I have rebellion, I just had a client today tell me that someone just graduated ABA, which is the Applied for Behavioral Therapy, telling the parent that all my advice that I recommended is a disaster because they probably just got certified about two months ago. When Baruch Hashem, in the, in the few weeks that I'm involved, there are such huge changes going on. Why? Because this person made one recommendation. I said, absolutely not now, but the time will be six weeks from now. We need to recognize, and I hate to say this, but I'll say this. When someone is licensed, I go, how many years are you licensed? And then I ask, how many people did you see? I know people that are 10 years licensed, but they haven't worked for six years. How active are you? How many people have you seen? And many times they go, oh, you're condescending. You're knocking me down. I go, no, I just need to, uh, I need to know who I'm dealing with. I don't know you. I don't have your history. Tell me a little about you. Do you only do one system? Who are you? And I get that many times about me. And many times the person says, well, I don't know you and I don't want to listen. Fine, don't. But we need to realize that, yes, professionals listening, people, they go in the name of professionals. The first thing I ask that parent when they question me today, oh, that therapist said, you don't know what you're talking about. I go, tell me, how long are they in the field? Go, oh, they just got their licensing about a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so this person that's seeing now your kid X amount of time, less than three, four times, has made an opinion. And I told you it's an okay opinion, but we should wait about whatever while. It's not for right now. And they right away rip down the therapist that has done all this tremendous work like listen to a second ago you know something you're right i didn't feel comfortable we need to educate now i'm not here to defend my opinion i'm not saying i'm right or i'm wrong i could be wrong but i just need to know who am i dealing with if the person has experience i would definitely say no something i need to speak to that person why or we need to clarify but someone just graduated less than two months ago and is already giving dais when things are moving we need to know our place when i deal with with the rebellion with menalem it's with the greatest of humility. If anyone listens to this program will see the respect that I have Rabbanim. I know my place and Rabbanim are ahead of me. I could have all the experience in the world. Kedusha, Torah comes way ahead of me. And even if I might have a little bit more information in a certain area than the Rav, I will explain to them this is my information, but I still let Das Torah rule. That is to me the opinion of the way. And I don't need to know everything. If I have to be Machnea, there has to be an order and process. And I believe Rebbeim, Malamda, with years of experience, are amazing. Are there some Rebbeim and teachers that are making mistakes for years over and over? Yes. Can we say that about everyone in the entire world? Yes. Rav Nisno, what would you say? Aren't there contractors years making mistakes? <laughs> What's there is, I mean, it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's no way that every day it's happened like this, that you find yourself in, in a situation that you have to come and facing another contractor, another Bal Melucha, that is claiming that he knows he was two hours in a profession and he says he's a good salesman, he's a good personality and he's just selling us stories, you know, and then you have to come and try to convince your client that really what is you doing is trying to do his benefits. And I'm telling you, today I had two cases like this, really two cases, and I had to take pictures of the of these pieces to show them that the other Balamuluch was was basically a crook, and he just wanted to take money from them without any reason, and it's it's amazing, and this is what we have to understand that sometimes we have also a, a part of ego, sometimes that you know you you become to a certain Balamuluch that he is uh, full of himself, and I think that nobody can uh, tell him what to do, and uh, he knows better than that Torah and everything. 
So this is something that we have to be careful about this. And I understand the parents or people that trying, you know, uh, confusing a little bit. But many times, as you say, you have to find reliable source that you can be lean on and work with and not just get command from the top and uh, feel that you, you, you just pay the money and get it out. So let me ask you, who's someone that you can use or the yeshiva can use as your dot's tire for questions like this? Hello? Yes. Who's someone that you would use? Don't give me the name because I don't know if you want it on here. Oh, no, we, we do have, no, it's not that no, we don't have qualified. Baksham, we, we're, we're very happy. I just want to make a, another thing. I know you're very busy. Um, I, I like the way the world portrays us as these bad bullies. We go through training after training after training, not once a year, three times a year, four times a year. Um, that, by the way, we don't get paid for. Most of us are getting paid. The mice are in terrible shape and who could blame the administrators with no money. But we're getting paid four, five, some of us six months um, late and uh, let's hope the check doesn't bounce type of thing and we're hours and hours prepping um, it's not a nine to five job and it's very hurtful to hear you know oh he's, he's a rebel for 20 years you know he's, a, he's that type or, or he's just not the listening type I mean we're all generally we're all willing to listen as long as we understand the main decide is that we're in the classroom and you have to understand from our perspective once you understand from our perspective I've met very few of them who are not willing to hear it's usually even give an idea that that can be carried out. There are a lot of things that can be done very well therapeutically, but in the classroom is extremely hard. So, you know, with that said, I, I really am not going to tell you that you uh, clear this issue up with us, at least from your end, because I would say that the reason why the arson rebame who will not talk to therapists is because they come with the attitude, you guys don't know what you're talking about, and um, you're going to have to confront us or else, you know, you kill the child, which isn't always the, you know, the case, like you said. They don't necessarily have the experience or the knowledge um, first time we go in the classroom, but we generally are willing to listen. I very, very, very seldomly have met someone who you told them from his point of view, you know, I understand how you run a class, but I think this would help, but that would help, and the guy said, go jump in the lake. So that's pretty much it. I agree with you. Thank you. Appreciate it, and see after the Shemaya further with your classes, and for all the Rebbeim that asked, I agree with you, my friend, and hopefully this caller Welcome. and this question will create a lot of awareness for the therapist speaking and for, yep, and for the parents. Amen. Yosef. Uh, Yosef, we got another one on. Hello? Yes. Yes, hi. I called you last I week. I remember. I remember, and my yes. friend. I happen to be okay. I didn't. So I didn't. First, yeah, go ahead. First of all, I would like to to share the same uh, huge thank you as that letter and as last week's person that called in and a huge mazel tov and a thank you to you and to our dear friend uh, Yitzchak from J-Root and to the whole J-Root and a huge, huge thank you for the, the time and everything. We all know you're a very, very busy person and a huge mazel tov again. Thank you. Amen. Accepted. And Nisim accepted. I want to share or begin the second or third caller, the person with, that's suffering or going through a little bit Issues because uh, in his feelings because of the well, uh, feeling of Hashem not listening to him. That Hashem only gives challenges to a person according to what they can handle. Very similar to what you said. Hashem, each person Hashem judges and Hashem gives them the challenge that He thinks they can handle. In reality, whether they want to handle it or not is up to them. But Hashem never gives a challenge that you can't handle. 
if you if you're a person who can't handle a stronger challenge, Hashem will not give it to you. And this is what the Masilat Sharm says, and all our great great Gedolei Yisrael says this. Gedolei And the person just needs to build and not lose faith in davening. Davening is something that I could say from personal past. It brings you if you really focus in the davening. Davening can really bring you to a real feeling of good, and not and and Hashem is never ignoring your feelings. And we saw by a lot of old Jewish soul, and even today that they all went through big tars. We had huge Jewish soul that kids that went off the dark in front of their eyes. Different tragedies. Why is that that they were the Manhigia daughter? How how is it possible that Hashem took their kid off the dark? made them suffer through those issues. Each person, according to what they can handle, Hashem gives them the Nisayim to test them. Avram Avinu, his single son, Hashem told him, go sacrifice your son. Go, go sacrifice your son. Go put him on the Mazbeth. Let's see how much you care. Hashem wouldn't do it if he saw Avram Avinu couldn't handle it. Hashem knows what each person can handle. And Hashem gives according to what they can handle. And Felix is definitely a huge, huge, huge thing. Amen v. Amen. That's all I will say. Amen v. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it up. Thank you. Yes, sure. We're going to Rifki. Rifki, you're on with Mordecai. Yes, hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure and honor. You hear me clearly? Baruch Hashem, very clearly. Okay, good. I first want to thank you for your line. It was a major eye-opener for me. And um, I got the number from a few friends, so I know for them, too. One point that I'd love to bring out that really, like, I, I never thought of it this way, is the way you put yourself down as, like, you put yourself forth as a person who is always continuing to grow. And no matter how much you're into it and aware and, and helping people, there's always room for private therapy and for learning more and like every time you come into a line and share a new concept, it's like it shows me that the sky is the limit and just keep on going. Yeah. So that that was really chazik. Okay. Uh, I will, let's 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 pu- let's just focus on that a minute. I have a concept that I, it's not mine, but I like sh- I like uh, that a lot, and I discuss it sometimes. That is, are you 16 years old or are you let's say 50 years young? And it's all about the concept and how we view ourselves. And I've got some nice clients coming in 16 years old saying, I can't change anymore. I'm already 16 years old. And then I've got people 50 years young saying, hey, what else is there about life? What else can we learn? You know what? I just went and I just did something else. And the concept, are we old or are we young? And I like really? viewing myself as very, very, very young. Still so yeah. much Yep. Yes, I, I usually when I learn something new and I feel like, wow, there's such a long way to go, I, I like pat myself on the back, look, you're only 27 and you know about this already. But yes. people that are 50 and don't even know about it. That's so, right. Yes, Beautiful. just keep going and I just should give you uh, a lot of koyach. Okay. Okay, my question is a like, personal boundary codependence question. I have a friend who's going through very hard times and she really is in a very, very tough situation. And uh, we talk a lot on the phone, and um, most of the conversation is like victim talk, how people around are making her miserable, and Hashem has forgotten her, and she can't get out of her situation, and like 
talk that really, really falls me down. Yeah. And she's like so trapped in her in her situation that she doesn't see that she has a choice of of making the best out of it. Yeah. And as much as she like every time like we do get to a point that like get up and and let's do something about it or something needs to be done about it. It's like only for a second or for a minute or a half a day, and then back to zero. Yeah. So I have realized that it's taking a lot of strength out of me, yeah. and there's really no point continuing that uh, level of relationship. Thank you. Welcome okay. to that. And so now I, you've come to realize that it's way, not, hold on, you've come to realize, here's what we need a rough, but it's not called chesed anymore. It's not. Called, it's not called chesed anymore. Here's what we need right. to speak to a rough. Now it's already called um, probably could even be an Avera, where now your family, you get drained when you're spending time with your family. You get mm-hmm. drained, you get nervous when you see her on the caller ID and you're busy with your kids and, and that negative. You'll start noticing that it stops being a mitzvah at a certain point if the person is not ready to get better. And unfortunately, many times it could turn into an Avera. Right. Yeah, we so, need a so rock here again, it's, it's your credit for for the the codependency and for the know your rights. So yeah. thank you so much. All right. So the question here is, I I did try to put my limits as to when I could talk and like be very like I can't talk now. My kids are around and I really don't want to talk. I'll talk to you one minute, two minutes, whatever. It was like pulling me a little bit, like another few weeks, and now I feel like a little angry already. Yeah. And I really want to put my foot down this. This is not doing any of us good, and I don't want it anymore. And I need, like, a little guidance. How do I do it without, um, I don't, I'm not, like, so afraid of hurting her if it's not, if I'm not being hurtful, but I'm afraid of bringing my anger, ah. like, into it. Well, first, well, here's, again, when I say I take therapy, that's a large part of it. And here I'm going to share with you a little bit of information, which a lot of people are curious. What am I so busy with my sessions? I'm a big believer in the concept that we have in Torah, everything is depending on me. In the Chassidish Svarim, it's brought all over, especially in the Bresla of Svarim, but anything that the Rebbein shows us is for us to grow. Yeah. And in the therapy world, they're called the Rogerian therapy, client-centered theory, a lot of Freud stuff. I don't go into the, the main, but the concept is that whatever they trigger us is about within ourselves. Right, and I really adapted that way of life That's right. again so from your line, so yeah, thank so, you. So now let's go ahead and take that to you now. If she is getting you angry, let's first understand it's not her. She's not getting me angry Hold on, let me her. clarify. Let me just clarify a second. No, I don't mean she's getting you angry. When you're feeling angry, you're probably going to be finding that you wanted to do this speech about two months ago. Right. And you're angry exactly. at yourself. Why does I'm it always myself. take me two months later of when I can't handle it for me to do it. Why do I have to be drowning that I'll finally do something instead of waiting a little later? Right, and I know this is my lesson with it. I know it, but now I I need some guidance. And you will notice how each time you meet people like that and you get healthier and your awareness is healthier, you'll be cutting it off at a healthier level. But now let me clarify something. I'm not a big believer in cutting off. I don't want to cut off. I that's just right. want to cut off that part of the relationship. And but that's what I do with I, clients. I love clients, everything about her, but... That's right. So that's what I have with clients, because clients many times come in very victim status, as I call it. I mean, they've already labeled themselves, I'm a victim for life, and they'll give you all the riots why they're victimized, and why they will be victimized. And the suggestion that I help them do is, okay, now we've got a choice. Do we want to start focusing on the positive? Do we want to start talking about what got better? Do you want to start talking about it? Every time you crack, we only have to come up with two solutions that you have, and that's a large part of one of the therapies called solution-oriented theory. Right. 
in the therapeutic process, they don't want to hear about the problem. They want to hear 30 seconds about the problem and five solutions. And what are the steps that we're going to do to implement the solutions? And that's where coaching comes in. Coaching is very much on this focus. But in, in the social work field, in the therapeutic field, this is only part of it. But sometimes you do need to go to the past. Clients like that, I will not let them open the past. Now, the question is how you can tell this friend, I want to talk to you about happiness about the kids, success, what's going on. I will talk to you. I'll even speak to you an hour a day. No negatives. You'll find another friend to fetch. You will see how soon she will probably be dropping you as a friend. If she's really stuck in a victim status or if she's healthy, she will stand up to the plate and start getting healthy. Okay. Uh, would you give me like a sentence, a phrase, an idea of how to do... Sure. Let's use the name. Let's use the... Let's, let's call her... Let's call her Mordechai, just because it's a safe name. <laughs> so let's okay. say it's... Let's say it would be, I have a friend Mordechai, and that would be the issue. So I'll tell him, look, Mordechai, we're speaking so many times. You know, it's a couple of months now. I'm trying to help you out. You're sharing the difficulties. And what I'm finding is it's always the I terms that I am getting negative, I am getting weak, and I am getting sad after we speak, and many times I'm holding on to your anger. And I've tried different times to balance it out with positive, because I realize negative knocks me down. So at this point, what I'm going to ask of you is if our relationship could be for a little bit just on positives, or just neutral conversations, can be a negative or problems in the world. How does that sound to you? Um, it sounds great, and this I have told her countless, countless times. Now I just need a, um, I'm, I'm at the stage at, like, implementing it. Like, sure. if you say, hi, how are you? I must talk to you. I have such oh. a hard no. like, what that am I doing now? Listen, you take over. I would just say, first of all, I would suggest to, t- to, to tell him, to Mordechai. Yeah. Mordechai, listen, do me a favor. Next time you, I want to talk with you, you just write note what good things happened to you yesterday or this morning even even something that you you just get up in the morning just make something good come right right on a, on a piece of paper something good that happened to you I want to listen to this and you know and slowly slowly you put him you put it because uh, what you describe I call it ashes love lot syndrome you know when they look back and they become sour and bitter and don't move forward always say stay say salty now this is uh, certain st- stuff that i i would say that try to encourage the person just write good stuff and just tell you what is good happened to her and to him uh, during uh, before before the conversation and i think this will start follow and drag uh, him or her to the point that uh, you see a big difference Okay, the, the truth is that, that this is a fantastic idea, and I do it myself. But my, my goal is not to have her come out of, this, of her situation or change her or get her to see the positive. I'm really past that. I want to, I want a sentence about, uh, oh, we got to wrong territory. We've got to hang up now. You want to change her? Or something like that. Like, I, I feel like if I want to take any fantastic idea to get her out of a rut, I'm going to be wrong. Let's just try one other thing here. Let's just start with a hello. Hi, Mordechai. I want to speak to you about something or send a text if you send a text. When can we talk about something? Or do you got some time now? I want to discuss with you something that's been, that's been on my mind a little. Okay. That's the hello. Okay. So try that on me now. What? Try it on me as if, as if I would be the friend. Tell it to me. She picks up the phone. Hi. 
says, hi, I must talk to you. Everything is like, like that, because like I must, I have it, hi, but I, I can't begin. You have a minute for me? So that, so I, I learned to say it. I have a minute, but I know it's going to take longer. Let's do role So I will be you. So I will, I will be like you, and you be her. So go, hi. Hi, I must talk to you. I had a terrible story. Are you available for me a minute? Uh, actually, I'm glad that you bring this up, because I want to discuss with you. Do you have two minutes for, me, for you to be available for me? Yeah, okay. Sure. But then you'll listen to me, right? Well, let's discuss it, and then we'll work it out. I noticed that when I get these calls from you, these overwhelming fears and concerns, and like everything is just so overwhelmed, I get overwhelmed, and it's starting to affect me. And I find I could do it for a week or two or even a month, but it's now several months, and I can't take it anymore. It's affecting me. It's affecting my shalom bias a little, not possible in a negative way, but like I'm pressured, I'm stressed. I'm finding sometimes when I see the caller ID that I'm getting nervous. And therefore, I had an idea. I was thinking, how about we try something different? How about you share with me all your positives and good stuff out there? But right now, I'm not able to handle the negatives. Okay, there's nothing positive I have in my life. I really thought I have a good friend. And then, whatever, I'm like, on and oh, on, like, I'm this sort. Good. So a good friend is someone that listens to all your problems. Is that a good friend? Yes, sure. I feel so uh, much better after listening right, so to you. Right, so a good friend blah, blah. is someone that will take all your negatives, all the problems, and then they will be in a bad mood after and get affected. That's a good friend? Um, I know that now, but what you would answer? Yeah, what would like, Yeah, I'm making it feel afraid, for sure, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll tell you. So that sounds very good, but I can't handle it right now. So I wonder, who else can you speak to your issues and me just the positives or just about how your day was? Like, talk about, did you go shopping? What we're going to make for supper for the kids? How are the kids doing in school if that's positive? Like, just everyday stuff. What are you baking? If they're working, tell me about your work, some interesting things. We can talk about a certain, uh, if it's a sheer if you go to, or a certain story that's happening. Yeah, that, those are things I could handle right now. Mm-hmm. You think I'm not okay, a good Okay, fine, friend? I'll try. Excellent, very good. Thank you. Okay, but, um, all right, let's see. <laughs> good, give it a shot. Let's see, I, I will. Thank you so much. You're very, 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 very well. All right, just keep going. Thank you, good night. Good night. Leah, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hello? All right. Yeah, looks like held a while. And thank you all for holding, because the lights are... Yep, go ahead. Did my life in many ways. I'm sorry, go ahead, start one more time. We got a wrong uh, dial. Go ahead, Leah. Yeah, I went through a trauma, and it affected my life in many different ways. Yeah. I tried talking to different professionals, but I didn't really like feel comfortable with any of them. So I stopped. I want to ask you, do you think, should I continue, or should I just, like, wait till I feel like I really need it, and then continue? Well, let's let's understand the question. You went to different therapists. Why didn't you feel comfortable? Um, whatever. It didn't work out. Does it always work out? Of course. Well, let's clarify. Let's understand something. Imagine you go to a doctor, and, right, the doctor has to listen to the heartbeat. The doctor has to, you know, take the blood pressure. The nurse comes in. And imagine you're going to go to a doctor and say, something's bothering me. You cannot touch me. 
they can't see the blood pressure. They can't put, you know, that machine and squeeze that, that thing and then see the blood pressure. They can't put the stethoscope. They can't hear if your heart's functioning. They can't listen to your lungs. A large part of therapy, one of the first rules, and I'm now supervising two students, and it's so nice to see, like, just a refresher for me. And they first called, the first one is creating the professional alliance, the professional trust. The first step before we teach any modality is to be able to connect for the, for the client to be able to open up. Because if the client doesn't feel safe, we can spend 10 years with them and nothing will be accomplished. Okay. So I, okay, some of them I did open up. And now, how much did you open up? They weren't able to help. Well, how say. much did you open up? 20%, 50%, 80%, 100%? Okay, less. Maybe less. How much less did you open up? Um, whatever. Well, uh, I'm just asking a number. I'm not asking you what happened, <laughs> just a number. Okay, we could say 5%. 5%. But that's also something. 5%, okay. So would you say you got helped 5%? Maybe. Excellent. So there you go. Now, you've got several yeah, options. I, I For my wouldn't the good therapist be able to continue to get me to open up more? Oh, you want the therapist to get you to open up now? Yeah. I know. I wish we could be mind readers. I really do. I wish I could also know the future as well that many clients would want. And I continuously reserve the right to be human. Just today I had a client that I said, I'm sorry, but I'm still human. If you prick me, there will be blood coming out. Mm -hmm. And therefore I go, now since I'm human, I need you to be human as well. And now are we going to work it out? Just today it was a phone call that something was not going right along the right way and it was just sort of we got to be human okay. so i'd like you to understand we can be the greatest therapist in the world if you hear many many times i say it on the phone line i go don't send me the client that doesn't want to open up because i will not be any more successful than anyone else you can lie right. to me and you can trick me and you can fool me and yes it can happen or sometimes you can't and i'll just let you do it and after three sessions say sorry we're not moving or after the first one say either be ready to open up you might take four months to open up. I'll have the patience with you. If you tell me how difficult it is and why you can't open up, we can work on that. And that could be three months, four months, even six months of work to get someone to open up. If they went through major abuse, if they have parents that never trusted them, never let them have a secret, never keep a secret. Friends that used to get every single little detail out of their life. So now when they got a secret on the therapist that's trying to learn their assertiveness, the one place they shouldn't do it is where they're doing it. But we'll go through all that. That's our job. That's the field we've chosen to go into. And it's painful and we get abuse. Oh, do we get abuse. Okay, so how can I work on it? Ah, now let me ask you, what would let you feel safe to be able to open up 50% of your problem to a person? Um, okay, I guess the other ones I didn't trust. I had my reasons for not trusting That's them. That's it. Then don't even go. If you won't trust the person, don't even walk through their door. Okay. Now, I will tell you, if this is right here, and I'm going to say something again, so controversial. Do you know why the teens at risk love the regular people and sometimes they won't go to a therapist? I saw the kids open up to Rav Nissen when we had last year the program with the teens at risk. They lit up at his face because he's honest, truthful, caring, there as a human, and they can trust him. Right, Rav Nissen? Yeah. Uh, that's what we spoke before. You know, sometimes you, you know, you have Balomulucha that you don't trust him. You know, it's... It's something that you have to, to feel the chemistry, to feel the careness, to feel that he care about he or she is caring about if you don't feel 
uh, with with a male uh, figure. So try to find a, a female figure uh, that working with. But don't force yourself. If you don't trust, don't do it. Then you, that nothing will work. So you have to find somebody that you can really trust and work with because this, this is the only way that you yourself get help to get out from the from the place that you are right now. Okay, so let's say I do find someone. So How can I go about opening up? Uh, we just got a message that when you speak, Herb Nissen, they're not hearing it through the Internet. I wonder if your mic is hooked up. Uh, I. All right. We'll check, so we'll, we'll take check, care of that we'll next check. time, okay. Eretz We'll take care of it next time. Let's go ahead. Let's go deal with your ish question right now about trust. Here's a, a, a message I got a little bit of an attack. I'm not attacking. I'm really hurt with what just happened. I called in about my daughter who went through a trauma, and instead of being helped, I felt like I was being pushed off the line and then insulted after I hung up. Rabbi Weinberger did not take the time to try to understand my question. Just stating that there's something that he can't understand instead of trying to ask more questions to understand my situation better and without giving me any practical tips or help, he just tells me to research therapy. I'm a very warm and caring lover, mother, who is always schmoozing with my kids and spending quality time with each one and always giving warmth and loving hugs and kisses. All right. I accept it. That that is your perception. And I'm sorry for that. And that is a risk when you call in that there's the trust issue, there's the expectation I'll go a certain way, and sometimes I won't. You know, I, I didn't see you many a long time that uh, I get exciting to reading this, but I saw your face, and I really that uh, you're sincere about this answer. And I am apologized also, because many times we just, first of all, as you say, we're human, and uh, we, don't, we don't see you face on face, we don't, but the impression that we get, that's what we got. So and I don't. I, I'm apologize. Right. I'm apologize right. in in J Root Radio if we get you know. I, and I believe that you're excellent, mom. Yeah, sorry. All I meant to say was, and I want to apologize publicly, was not to put you off and not to say. All I'm saying is that I cannot give you the practical tools and tips because your question is a lot deeper than that. It could take months of therapy process. If I would have an answer to answer in 30 seconds how to deal with a kid that was traumatized, that was locked in the bathroom, I would do that. It's not possible. That I hear an underlying issue is there. That I am sorry, but you assume that in your voice, that you're as confident as you are, that's great. And I'm glad and I am wrong. But in my instincts, I still feel that in your voice, there's missing a certain confidence that, we, that I pick up. And I can be wrong, but all I'm saying is I'm not the right person. I am not labeling you. I'm not diagnosing you. I'm saying is I, I am not having enough information. My instincts are not there. That is all that I am saying. So I apologize for all the pain that I'm doing, and I can be very wrong to share with you how wrong I was. I think it was last week we got a caller where, where the person said that after they take their test, so once they know the mark, they're not worried about report cards. I said, I don't understand. I had two people tell me that, yes, they could be afraid of tests and afraid of other stuff, but once they get that, that's it. And I said, I agree. You know, I understand even to the caller. There's a concept that, you know, you're explaining it to me. I'm hearing it. And when I hear it two or three times, I can understand it. But when I'm being given questions over here, I'm sorry, but I cannot take the responsibility to give you all that. And I can just do the best that I could. So I am publicly apologizing for the pain and hurt 
and the feeling that I'm understanding. I'm sorry that you felt that I am not understanding, and I'm sorry for that. Now let's go to you. Do you see how I've made a mistake to someone? I hurt them terribly. And will you allow your therapist to also make a mistake sometimes? This is to Leah. Leah. Are you still on? All right. So maybe you're off. But Leah, that's why I wanted you to realize, and that's part of the reason why I read it. A, to apologize. B, to realize. We'll make mistakes. We definitely will. Okay. We'll go to Avram. Avram, you're on with Mordechai. Hi. How are you tonight? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Great. I feel like I'm obligated to make this awareness. It has nothing to do with the mental health field, but it has to do with the attack that happened last week in the shul. Um, people are trying to figure out, you know, what's a wake-up call. Now, obviously, no one knows for sure, no one's in the but the Dalai Lama is saying a lot of things, and I've heard this from many, from a few I got a question you have, Rome, just out of the curiosity. Why this program? <laughs> I tell you what, it's funny, because I, I have to get this out, and I figured, Mike Wan wouldn't mind four minutes of his time to get a big scope and get this thing out because it's very uh, important. Hold on a second. By the way, I might actually disturb me. I'll tell you why. Part of my role over here is a little bit to monitor where the program is going and how you're going. And okay, therefore, so if, you me, if you don't want me to do it, I won't do it. I'm not. I want to clarify what you're going to be doing before you do something um, publicly. That's all. Okay, I'm sorry Since, about that. Sure, no problem. So go ahead. You'd like to share a concept in Yiddishkeit what you think which I heard from, Yeah, which I heard from a few different Gedolim recently, and they're saying this over. And Good. Can you also name the Gedolim while you say it? You know, when we speak... Yeah, we, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. Sure, sure. Sure. Now, now, I, now, it's understand, now I understand what you're doing, so you'd like to share with the greatest of pleasures, my friend. Let it out. You know, um, in the end of the Second World War, but at one of the death marches, there were thousands of people standing there crying, and, you know, the life's about to be over. And the old lady got up there and she said, Yidin, Yidin, Jews, Jews, do you know why you're suffering so much? Do you know why this is happening to us? Because you guys talked in the middle of the avenue. And one of the gentlemen that survived that said over, he witnessed that as soon as the old lady was done saying that, she disappeared into the air. I mean, the show was trying to sh tell us what the problem was. About 25 years ago, there was a, a boy, had an Amakwa. Those days, there was no cure like these days. And the man went, went over to, to, to Victor Miller Asked him, what should I do? My son is in Amakwa. He says, I don't know you where you are, but I know one thing. You're probably diving in the shoe, what you're talking about diving. He says, yes, I do. He says, so I told you to do. Go switch shoes. We don't talk about diving, and you see your song will get better. And he said, he's a witness. It happened to him. He said, I switched shoes, and within a few weeks, it was gone. One more thing I want to share. About a few years ago, there's a, a girl, had a, she was a film girl, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, that, she has, that they found three spots in her liver with the Anamakwa. Now, this had a survival, the survival um, rate for this is very, very low. He, went, he came out of the doctor's office all down, all depressed. He met a friend of his outside. Make a long story short, that this friend had a dream or something. The point was that he told his friend to take upon himself not to, not to talk about what's happening and to be a couple on himself that he should advertise his story, like, you know, make it a word to everybody and try to get ready to follow him, and it'll be better. And that's what he did. And this happened a few years ago. And he said he was very hard for him, but he went to shul and he copped in a okay. beam and he said... Avram, how do you feel? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> All right, so let, let's end it in the next 30 seconds. Okay, no problem. 
So basically, he did that, and she got better. The point is that that um, when you talk about davening, you are bringing um, hardships, you bring sicknesses into your own family, it's for your own good, physically. I'm not talking about up there in Shemaim. Down here, when you're doing something wrong, it's for your own good to stop talking. It's for your own good not to talk about davening. That, that's one thing I wanted to talk, tell you. All right, Avram, the now, next is now, a question. Now to your program. Well, yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> You're cute. Uh, no, I just want to add, I just want to add to the third, to the person I called you, the third caller. He told, he, so you, you, you were telling him that, that, um, that things that Shem bring up on, bring, bring on you, that he's saying this, or maybe you, that it's, obviously you could, you could, um, you could manage with it. I just want to tell you a, a short, a couple minute thing. The Kutsugarebe had a shul. One of the shabbos, a lot of people laughing there, one of the shockers. And in one of the someone came in with a report. The city, next city over, had a fire and all the stores were burned down. And there, there's one, there's a few people there from the next city. One person heard the, heard the thing, he had a store there, he heard the news and he fainted on the spot. They woke him up, and he fainted again. They woke him up again. That happened three times. So the cops grabbed came over to him and said, your store didn't get burned down. Mother Chavez came about, came around, and and they heard the news that one store stayed up with his store. So they told the rabbi, "What? Why? He's a kaddish. He knows how to kaddish. It's possible to shoot. It has to happen because if Hashem wants to give him the sinners, if he's able to to to, to take it, if this guy fainted three times in a row. Obviously, he can't handle it. So obviously, it didn't happen. I'm mean, going to show the point that if that if you have a sign, trust me, Hashem knows you could do it. Beautiful, Avram. Thank you, and Merit Hashem. One day, I'd love to have you on this side of the mic giving the advice. Alright, thank you. Go to Suri. Suri, you're on with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. First, I would like to thank you. Um, I called him before last week, two weeks ago, maybe. No, I think it was last week about my student. Yeah. That was crying. and did get better. We did try two things. First, I called her privately and I asked her why she was crying. And of course, she, she didn't want to go and I. She, I'm sorry, um, say it again. I was that. just reading. Um, so oh. I was just reading some of the comments. If you can just do it one more time. Oh, sorry. No, I um, apologize. Um, I called in before, um, last week um, regarding a girl that was crying when I went out of class. Yes. And Baruch Hashem, we did try it. I spoke to her and I asked her what would make her safe if she would have an object for me, if she would be okay. That's right. The Remember, so the worked. caller was that she didn't feel safe and secure for you to leave the room. And when you left the room, she would be following you. Right, and you're like yeah. the shadow yeah. or the teacher. I'm the teacher, yeah. and she, yeah. So um, I did speak to her, and she, I gave her my watch when I left the classroom. Yeah. The first day, it worked wonders. Then um, it did um, disappear a little bit, the wonder until, but, but as of now, Brooke Shemin is getting stabilizing. Today, I left the class without giving her the watch, and she was okay. She wasn't crying. Yeah, she just still looked at and when she comes to school, the first second she has to spot me. But Baruch is much, much better. Thank so you. I, I like appreciate the feedback. That is fantastic. And another thing, yes. another thing I want to say, and thank you, it's really not regarding this program, it's regarding your phone line. But I would want to text it, but I stopped my text. I want to thank you for the daily motivational quotes. Yeah. I really appreciate it being updated. So. Yes, thank you. Yes, I started doing them daily. Yes, thank you. Your very, very welcome. It's a source to be able to have the line and to have this program and just helping people. They can listen to it, the daily motivational quotes, the daily questions and answers. Yeah, it's a source. And that number, for those of you listening, is 718-298-2011, 718-298-2011.
2011, and I started it. One of the main reasons is Lil Nishmas, my father. And it's a huge spot, Baruch Hashem. Who do we go next? Zevi, you're on with Mordechai. Yeah, hello, Yiddish. Oh, uh, can we stick to English? We got to... I speak in Yiddish? Yeah, no, speak in English. Because we started getting callers starting to go for Yiddish, and the line is really in English. Okay, I'll try the best. Excellent. Well, your best is acceptable to me. Okay, first, um, a big thanks for the hotline, and uh, I'm enjoying it every night. It's always very, very, very nice. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, um, I have a problem. I don't know why. And since I remember, I'm like Meshibet to to another Bukhar. I'm mm-hmm. a 16 year old Bukhar. And I don't know why I'm Meshibet him. Explain. I need a little bit more words than Meshibet. What does that mean? Um, that means that if he wants to learn with you, you have to say yes. Does that mean? No, he, no, no. He's a, does he's that a mean Bukhar. if he tells you bring me lunch to the room, you're gonna have to bring it? I need more. Details. No, no, not this. Ah, now let's stop a second. Can we use this as an example? When people communicate, when people talk, they think—not they think—they say something, and they have certain intentions behind those words. But yet, the listener might have different interpretations of that and that is one of the biggest issues that i find that happen in marriage counseling when i do that couples could be 20 years fighting over something when they are both saying different words and they're understanding it the same way so imagine now you just said your question you're 16 year old bach and you feel mishuba to someone else in my opinion in my understanding i understood that you're a bacher and there's another bacher tells you you got to bring me the safer and you got to do it no, then he says, you got to bring me lunch. I just want you to understand how I heard it. Now imagine I would have answered that question. No, Yeah. And That's I, why I ask. So now yeah. I ask, what does Meshavad mean? I could tell you this. Try it in Yiddish, yes. Okay. Ah, so what you said is what he does, you want to copy that. I want to be like him in... Good, now let's take a step back and let's realize, what do you want to be like him exactly? Give me the four or five points that you want to be like him. To be his midas, his, his, his everything, I don't know why. No, you've only given me one, his midas, what else? Um, his friends, always, he has a lot of friends. Um, what the hell? I don't know exactly. It since I remember a, a couple of years of this. He's a bucher young, a year younger than me. And it it No, no, I don't want to go to him. I don't want you to go to. I want you. There's a purpose why I'm asking. Why? Tell me four points that this bucher has that you want. His whole nature, everything. Uh, you say, are you saying everything it. and I'm asking details? Notice I how we're having different it. languages. If we were married, boy, would there be racial and bias problems going on. I couldn't explain it. I don't know why. Then, all right, then that's where there are more points. That's where therapy comes in. Here's where you spend 45-minute sessions, several sessions. We help you identify what's going on. Why is it? Do you have it within yourself? And are you able to utilize them? Are you not able to utilize them? Is this something that you have an older brother or that's more successful? Your parent values? No, no. I, I, I don't want to go. We're not. We're going to end the conversation here because, like you said, you can't identify. There is so much, but this is where a huge conversation comes in. 
It's not like a 30-second answer. Okay, first I want to ask you, how does call this thing? Is it like that? How, I, can't, I wouldn't be able to answer that. I would need to first understand what the issue is. It might take, sometimes I need to do an evaluation. It could take up to three sessions to do an evaluation because there is so much involved. Okay, I, I don't, feel every time. Again, you, understand what you're doing now. You're now going to try to respond now a third time for me to give you an answer. What I'm saying is I hear too much going on and I would need to spend about 45 minutes with you. That's not what this program is for, my friend. So what should I answer? <clears throat> I would leave it for now. I feel your question is going to be highly complicated. Not highly complicated, just my, my professional... My mind is picking up a lot more that's going, we're going to be going there and I don't want to go there. There's a lot going to be asking. A lot of things you're going to say, I can't answer that. Okay, so tell me what I show you, what I should ask me the things. I would, I would do something else. What I'd recommend is you find out who in the yeshiva is a magachir that you can speak to. Or a mashgiach. There's always someone in every yeshiva that the bacharim feel comfortable to. And that's really my rec recommendation. I said that for other bacharim, for other warm No, nope, not acceptable. Bacharim are just, no? no, no, they don't have the knowledge. They don't have life experience. They're great to talk to, but it's not life experience. How you name this thing? Maybe I could hear other children for you. That's the fourth time you're asking the question. I don't feel you're there yet. I feel first you need to... Uh, I feel this is not where you could take like a life coach book. I feel now you need to identify. Okay. I don't have the answer. Not the short answer for that. So I couldn't call back for if I... If, um, I, feel, I, I feel you need someone... Okay, try it next week. Think about four or five points that bother that you want to be like him. And then we can do that. But details. His midas, which one of his midas? He's good, he's loud, his personality, he's no, giving. No, he's very qu a quiet boy. And good, good, good. Okay, da, 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 okay, da. Okay, I don't okay. want that now, my friend. We're not going there now. Now okay. what we're doing to is you got homework. You'll come back next week and you'll give us the four points. Four points that what I want you to You want to be him. just like him. Yes. Excellent. Okay. And okay, I'm very impressed with you because you. you're able to ask, you're focused, you're able to do it in English. Excellent. I'm very happy and proud of you. Okay, thanks for the compliment. Go ahead. Suri. Suri, you're on with Mordechai. Hello. Yes. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you very much for taking my call. I really enjoy listening to your shows. I, like, when, the, when I was down on the radio, I'd call in every week and I try to catch it on the phone on the um, hotline and I really enjoy it. Um, I have a question. I don't know, like, what I should be doing in this situation, but I was wondering if maybe you could tell me if I should just keep myself out of it, or um, basically, I'm a teacher in a kindergarten classroom, and I have a student that um, is selectively mute, and today is actually the first day that I heard her voice in the classroom. She was talking to another girl. Um, I... I know, I know, I know. She's she's they're working on something to get her outside help, but I I I feel so bad, like <laughs> like not having her talk. Like she didn't talk to me or the other teacher, and I wish like there's something that I could do before you know. I know it's a long process until she gets outside help, but I was wondering if there's something that I can maybe do to help her, and then also I do duty in the morning, and I have a student, another student, not not in my classroom, um, that she just comes on my bus, and on the bus she is silent to me. She doesn't talk to me. Um, she'll smile very shyly in the morning, like I, you know, make sure to say right, say good morning to her, 
and um, she will not talk to me on the bus. She does tell the kids on the bus. But then when I see her with her own classroom, like I meet her, you know, in the backyard, and she's playing with the rest of her classmates, um, and she will, she will talk to me. She'll, like, say hi and, like, smile and, like, laugh and, like, think she won't start talking, but she'll pretend, like, this is how she always is. So I don't know what the two situations are. I haven't discussed. The other so one, I don't know. So let's take a step back. Let's not go into too many situations. Let's see what you can do as a teacher. Okay. What can you do? Selective mute many times has to do with, not all the time, I'm saying many times, so I'm, I'm making that little hakdama, and that means that we've got to, they're not feeling safe, and their only safety technique is like a turtle going into a shell, they will shut down. And what we want to try to do is make them feel safe. Many times there could be issues going on in the house, many times it could be that they're not comfortable detaching from their parents, Many times it could be that they just need the safety in the classroom for them to feel safe. And since it's a kindergarten, it could be, hi, how are you? It could be playing with you a little one-on-one -on -one a couple of times, and maybe they'll start talking. And maybe you'll do that for two weeks straight till they'll start talking. But so sometimes, like, I, I was thinking, I don't know if it's, I'm doing the wrong thing. I, I can't, like, I'm really the assistant teacher. So Again, I can't now, really now, now, we're gonna, now we're getting into a confidence issue. You're not trusting yourself. If you're not trusting yourself, then you might need someone get guidance of a therapist or find out someone that the school has that can guide you a little bit about selective mutism and how you what you can do. So is it like if, if there's, let's say we're giving out something by lunch or by snack time? And, Notice, um, what was my suggestion? Let's go to what I suggested, then we'll go to what you're trying to do. Let's go to where I am suggesting. Um, that I should go speak to somebody to see how I can help. That was the second bit of advice. What was the first bit of advice? Spend one-on-one -on -one time with her. Have her open I've up. I've tried that. Like, I try to sit down when she's calling. I try to sit down, and I would try to ask, you know, I don't I don't want her to feel like I'm just singling at her, so I'll ask well, why don't you call her with her? Picture. Well, why don't you ask her? Can we call her together and just get her shaking her head? Yes or no is enough. That's talking. She has. She, 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 shakes, she shakes her head. But okay, so you start with that. More. Can we call her together? And then you start coloring. That's you're building the alliance. You're building the connection to one-on-one. Then you'll ask her, could you whisper in my ear? Could I whisper in your ear? Could you whisper in my ear? You start building it up slowly. You start seeing maybe she likes, maybe she'll open up more if you give her candy. Tell her if I give you a little candy or if I give you a nosh. It could be a healthy candy. It doesn't have to be nosh, but I like something that's junk food. But connect to her. I don't want the other girls to feel like I'm singling her out and, and I don't want them to get jealous. Again. You're the teacher. Do you ever have time that you can have a little one-on-one -on -one after class? Can you have the mother let her stay maybe 20 minutes extra or 10 minutes extra? Work it out. Can you go to the kid's house or the student's house? Is it possible at all to go there once or twice a week just to connect slowly? Maybe she talks in her house and she'll talk to you in the house. And once you build that connection, she'll be able to do it in the school. Um, yes. I know I'm saying like, and I know I, I've heard from her mother at home she's a regular, you know, child. So I guess Good. So how about, would that be an idea for you to go to the house once or twice? And she might not talk the first time you're there, but open it up. I'm just giving different ideas out there. The goal is for her to feel safe, to open up. And maybe it's not you the issue. Maybe it's so many, maybe that she's in a big room with so many people that's the issue. But she's talking to the other children, so I don't know if that's... So then maybe it's just a teacher. Maybe it's just one-on-one. -on -one. There could be various variables going on in there. That's where an outside help therapist will help identify and speak to the kid. At the same time, 
I've given a couple of ideas. Let's try to implement them, see how those work. Okay, and also one, one little thing. I work with old, little older girls. I'm second grade age. They're like seven. And I have one girl specifically. She's like very into She doesn't have friends, and she doesn't have girls to play with. And it's because I'm a pretty, you know, nice-sized class. Um, but there is a quick a group of four girls that aren't always the nicest and aren't always, you know, Let's, I'll tell you what, this question I hear is going into a huge, huge question about how do you break up cliques, and that's, that's a 25 I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, we know it's probably not well, let's, I, I'd rather but, even not even go there. What I'd like to do is we discuss the selective mutism, and I appreciate it, and maybe next week call in and we'll take the next question. All right? Okay, fine. Thank you so much. I really You're very it. welcome, and Hatzlacha. Thank you. Have a good night. My pleasure. Good night. Harav Nissen, who else? Israel, you're on with Mordechai. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Actually, okay, to be honest, fantastic great. and a little bothered by that person that took it so offensive and so personal. Yeah, saying you're speaking Lashon Har about me. Yeah, you know, that, that, that lady, she just like added on more pain. I would really recommend that she should please call up. Yeah. She took it very personal, very not intended at all that way, so I'm sorry. Wow, it really does bother me and hurt me, but yeah. Go ahead, Israel. So I'm feeling fantastic with a little pain, actually. Okay, Hashem should help you. Should be. I will tell you one thing. I would like to thank you about your programs. One thing, what I really, really enjoy, what I learned, is when you're talking always about the balance, that Hashem will always give the balance from the positive and the negative, and you have yeah. to look for the positive. So maybe yeah. that will help you. Actually, I appreciate that. That's right. If I will be public, then chances are this will happen. I can apologize, and that's the max that I can do. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Let's, Let's go through really Israel. Let's this. go to your question. Chazak I appreciate that. My energy is a lot okay. more. Yeah. I needed to hear that advice. Okay. My... My question is, I am by nature more to the sensitive side, and whenever I have to deal with people who are more assertive or more angry, like, I am really afraid. Like, I'm dealing now with uh, a situation with a person, like, every time I pass him, I feel like I'm shrinking. Yes, I got you loud and clear, brother. Yeah, that's my, my, my first inclination, my first nature is that way. With a lot of therapy, I've overcome that, that I am able to even be on the radio, but, uh, yeah. Is there any simple solution I can do? Like, of I, I start thinking about it, maybe many, it's imagination, but many. I start thinking, like, what is my biggest fear? What, what, what I'm fear? And my, my biggest fear, what I came up is that maybe, like, it's, it's I don't want to go into details, it's not a point, but, like, my biggest fear is maybe this guy will hit me. Yes, and that's this is my not biggest just... Fear. That's right, and what we do in therapy is one of the things we start putting in, and we go, when were you traumatized in the past where you said something to someone or where a strong, confident person hit you? Oh, and this is, again, what I, when, where I go. I start thinking, where, where is the last time I met myself when someone, what I want one way, and he the, the other way, and he hit me? And I guess it's not at home because I, I, don't, I don't remember this behavior, so right. it's probably... I don't want to go in the blame game, but it's probably somewhere like the teachers. I, oh, I we're have not like blaming, we're just teachers. identifying. So maybe there are some teachers okay, that were authoritative. So. And now the question is, how can you feel that that was just the nature, or what could protect you? 
Sometimes you would imagine. No, but I have I someone. Feel, I feel mm-hmm. when I was in school, there were certain teachers. When I know when they they were not changing reality. We're not, angry. Yeah, we're not disputing your reality. What we're saying is you weren't given the tools how to feel safe when a teacher's angry. That's what we want to teach you. Okay, what tools, so, with your knowledge now? How long do we have? Now? Okay. Oh, all right. So we got to end in about twenty seconds. What I'd recommend is if you can please call up next week. Thank you all for calling in. Appreciate it. Siata Deshmeyer of Nissan. Thank you for another wonderful week for another program.